It's my code, damn it. I birthed it. I'm, I'm so worn out and beat down right now that I can't even form complete sentences. I don't think you know what that means, what those words mean. Yeah, maybe I don't. In a row means it's consecutive. Yeah. You know, well, one right after the other. Well, show in the row that, that I am, I'm pulling a John here. I am, I'm tired. I'm yeah. worn out. I'm like, I don't know if I'm depressed. I don't think I'm depressed. I'm just like, I'm just done. I'm done with everything. Well, you've had and long to work the point days. That like, you have... Do I even want to talk about anything or am I so done that I don't even want to talk? I just want to like, Drink a beer. Well, we could do that too. We could just beer. sit here and drink beer, and uh, <laughs> that's all anyone's getting. <clears throat> now, now, have I talked about how I've been? I've been wearing my watch to sleep, and I uh, I've been using like one of these sleep apps to monitor my sleep. I don't think you've talked about it on the show, but okay. I you've you've to, you've okay. mentioned it to me because you have the power here because obviously you need to charge it. Yeah. Since you're sleeping with it. I don't ever use that, actually. I just, you know what I do? Like, before I go to bed, fuck, for 30 minutes, I'll watch TV or something to try to, like, wind down. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll put it on the charger, for, and in 30 minutes, it's completely charged. Yeah, it charges pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the, the AirPods charge pretty quick. Hmm. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. You're right about that. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, last night, oh, my gosh. So, so one of the, my recurring things is I, I just don't get to sleep early enough. Mm-hmm. But when I do, I've I've had I have this problem of I'm I apparently wake up all throughout the night, quite a bit. Like you're conscious of it, or you just no, the the data tells you you're waking up. I mean, every once in a while I'll wake up enough to I'm, I'll you know I'll be like, man, I'm I'm waking up. But a lot of times, usually it's just I, I'm not really conscious of it, mm-hmm. and I'm but I'm just I can't get. Sometimes I'll get zero deep sleep, zero. Um, and the other thing that's really important is if your heart rate doesn't drop enough, like you won't sleep well. It really hmm. needs to drop into at least the 50s, um, 40s. It's too know, much beer before 40s bed. is better. Well, that actually has a big <laughs> effect on it. But uh, yeah, so last night I got I got bad sleep. Mm. Here's one thing that I think I've discovered, though, and I'm, it's going to take more experiments because it's only been a couple of nights. But if I go to sleep and if I go to sleep on my side and if I throughout the night stay on my side, like when I into my like need to change positions, if I just roll over to the other side and don't lay on my back, I'm I am sleeping a lot better. Mm. I think I, I need more. You know, n equals two, right? A two or three, right now. I need I need like n equals probably twenty or thirty to really know for sure that that's the problem. Yeah. That was my problem. If I would if I ended up on my back, sleep apnea would kick in, so I'd stop breathing. Yeah, and I don't say I don't know if I have sleep apnea. I think you have to either. Have someone observe you who knows? No, I did. You did, okay. Yeah, I slept. Horrible. You did a sleep study? I did a sleep study. (laughs) It's so uncomfortable trying to fall asleep in an environment that's not your own, and there's cameras on you, and you know someone's there watching you the whole time, and yeah, it's just weird. I know. Um, So you you didn't have to get a CPAP machine? I did, but I I stopped using it. At the time, I was a lot heavier than I was, and I think that was a, a a big factor in my sleep apnea. I sleep a lot better now. Um, I kind of gained weight this last last year, um, but I've been losing it again. Okay. So I'm, I feel like I'm getting better. So I've noticed when I'm heavier, yeah, I don't yeah. sleep as well. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that weight, man. I know it's it really, sitting on your chest. It's not so letting you breathe. Too. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine um, just uh, found out that he has like full on type two diabetes. Oh wow! Yep. 
which is a bummer because that's something you really don't get cured from. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to, because I think, you know, type 2 diabetes, that's that's when your body is producing a ton of insulin, but your all of your cells basically just have formed a resistance to it. And so your blood sugar can get too high. And it, you really don't, I mean, I think there's been, I, I don't know, maybe there's some counter examples, but I mean, you really don't come back from that. Like you don't, you don't, uh, your, your cells don't uh, become sensitive again to insulin. They just kind of remain relatively mm. insensitive to insulin. So you, that's why you have to give yourself shots to pump a ton of insulin in to get your blood sugar down. Related, and this is kind of a bummer, but uh, man, you're I went to high school with, and I haven't talked to you forever. But, um, and now she's always like thin and in shape and everything, <clears throat> but she's always had type 1 diabetes. And uh, man, this is a bummer. I shouldn't know. She didn't even say this. Anyway. She, um, I guess, was not controlling her blood sugar or something happened. I don't really know what. Passed out in her house and wasn't found for like a day. And uh, diabetic coma. And that three weeks later, they had to pull the plug. So decided to. Yeah. Can you believe that? So anyway, if you got diabetes, whether it's type 1 or type 2, make sure you're taking care of it. Yeah. Because it is. Just in general. We need to all take care of ourselves. Well, and that's the thing. Like, do, we, do we need to start like a good day surf fit club or something? Uh, maybe so. Step counting well, what something. Think about that. It's just like, I, I mean, I've been talking about, we've, this has been a theme because I, and I fully, I mean, this is so important. Sleep is so underrated. And I don't, even if you're a young person, because when I, you know, when I was young, I thought that it didn't matter. And Oh yeah, I prided myself on, on getting up before the sun and working up until the sun was gone. And there's it's no just, doubt that when you're young, you can get away with that more, but you're not you're not getting as you're not as productive as what you think you are, and you're completely ignoring the toll it takes on you. Yeah, uh, I was talking to one of these girls who babysits our boys, and she's I think a freshman in high school, and she's like, "Yeah, I just don't sleep." I was like, "She's like me and me and my friends, we all stay up to like three every night, and you know, get up at 6 I'm like, "Yeah, it's, it's you can ignore it, but yeah, and you know, when you're young, you can't ignore it. But uh, no, getting getting sleep because if I'm not if I'm not getting enough sleep, and nowadays for me that's like getting a, a a quality like seven and a half to eight. Eight is great. Mm-hmm. Seven is uh, it's okay. But and, and here's the problem: a lot of times, if I want the equivalent of eight hours of sleep, I've got to sleep for ten hours. And like every once in a while on the weekend, I'll get to sleep that much. And yeah. I'm just like I wake up feeling like, oh wow, this is how you're supposed to feel when you wake up, <laughs> <laughs> like refreshed, like you slept eight hours. Yeah. But it just you know, but in a typical seven or eight hours, I mean, I'll get anywhere from zero to one hour of like deep sleep. And and quality sleep, which I don't even know what that is. I think I'm supposed to have like five hours of that. Um, you know, sometimes I'll get three or four hours. I mean, that's typical for me. So for some reason, and again, I'm going to keep experimenting with the sleep sleeping on my <clears throat> on my side. But I think that I think that's going to be a key. Yeah, get you a little. And I will uh, say like get you a pillow, a hugging. What do they call it? The the bed pillows, or like a hug. side sleeper pillow, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do know that like every time, anytime Sarah like bumps me because I'm snoring, it's all, I'm always laying on my back. She did more than bump you. She like elbowed you oh, and yeah, punched you and and we're just like get out of here, go in the ca- go in the get on the couch. I just I'm I'm, I'm making a, a a call back to the time she practically beat you up in her sleep. Yeah, she elbowed you. Oh in the yeah, face no, or she'll, she'll, you wake her up, she'll fight you. She will fight immediately. <laughs> Don't mess with her sleep. <laughs> well, John, speaking of sleep, I woke up this morning, and this is overly dramatic. It really doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with sleep. But um, I get to the office and I, and I this is this morning, pl- and I set my laptop down, open it up, plug the power in. And I, I've never seen this before, but I've seen it on iPads. But you know, there's the, 
if the battery's completely dead and the computer turned itself off for the iPad and you plug it in, the first thing it shows you is like a a, a battery, empty battery with like a little red thing at the end show it telling you that it was dead. Mm-hmm. Laptop was completely dead. Now here's what's interesting. It was closed. I don't even think I opened my computer last night. I think I did, but then I closed it, put it back in my bag, but didn't close the bag and it just left it plugged in. Mm-hmm. So it was plugged in to AC and it was off. I mean, it should have been off. It should have been off. Hmm. But this, the battery was completely dead. And I'm not, I don't think I've ever let my battery get below 50%. So I felt really dirty. Like I immediately was like, oh, I got to charge this thing up and <laughs> I'm watching the percent, you know, go up on it. Did you leave your Docker running? I bet that's what did it. It just drained you. I, it cut, you know, and it's, I wish it, it might be lightweight, but it's power hungry. <laughs> <laughs> lightweight, but power hungry. Um, yeah, and it, it, it was running. And I, I don't know if something went haywire, but I mean, my lid was closed. So usually everything stops. I mean, I don't know if something, I don't know if a process that's doing something in particular can keep your, can keep OS ten from actually shutting down? There might be. There might be some hung process that's just never able to clear and yeah. it's just eating up CPU cycles and just turning through the battery. It's dead. Yeah. Like, I've, I've never had that happen before. Well, um, so these uh these these modern technologies. What do you think of this beer? It's good. I, I haven't I, we we didn't record last week, which means I had no beer, so I haven't had anything to any adult beverage really? and like i mean no wine or whiskey or anything? no the only time i drink is on wednesdays with you wow yeah why is that how is that i just i've haven't been doing it mm. and for health or just like habit no i just i just haven't been yeah. maybe i'm less stressed than i used to be mm. or i i my kids schedule is a lot busier now too so i'm i'm pretty much i'm having to shut down and go to some practice or or spend time with them or something so i don't i don't know it just hasn't been a thing even on the weekends when I used to just kind of sit back and veg and watch some YouTube or something Netflix or something I would pour a drink but I haven't had that opportunity <laughs> uh, soccer season starting my yeah. son's lacrosse he's got like two or three games a weekend it's crazy this so. is <clears throat> this is my latest beer I oh so this is yours yeah, yeah. it's good um, yeah there's I don't know I'm not crazy about it I've already got well, it's good every, for me because I'm I'm famished. I haven't had any in a almost long time. every time I make a beer. I'm like, oh, I just I want to change this about my process, or I want to like introduce this ingredient at this at a different time or a different temperature or whatever. All these different things, but not not crazy about. It, but it's it's okay. It's good. It's like a seven percent hazy IPA. I've got. I'm actually excited. I did uh, for the first time ever a sour. Oh, and I'm I'll probably keg it this weekend. So it's just I about definitely done. want some of that one. It's a Berliner Weisse. So. We'll see. I don't know what that is, but sounds official and authentic. You've, I'm sure you've had. I'm sure a I have. Berliner. Come on. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I I don't nerd out about it like you do. I just I just drink no, it. It's just a style. I mean, you know, I don't know these things. Like so I'll main, know. I'll know. I, I kind of have my general knowledge of, of certain ones, and especially ones that I like. But I I just I don't memorize all the names and all the different variations, and I'm, yeah. I have no clue about the seasonal ones. You know. You know, 2018 versus 2019's brew, and I'm just... It's interesting the way that you... Or I, I did a, what's called a kettle sour with this, and basically, so, <clears throat> you know, you, you do the mash process, and you make the work the way you normally do, but, like, I didn't I didn't boil... I didn't even have a boil. So once mm-hmm. the mash is done, of course, the mash is when you're... You mix the grain, the crushed-up grains with water, and you let it sit there and basically steep for... Usually an hour is typical at a certain... You're usually at a certain temperature because you're trying to target a certain type of conversion of, of starches to sugars. Mm-hmm. 
which is why that you know you have to have that mash. You've got to convert starches to sugars, or you just have you know, have gross starch water, right? Like potato water or something. You get iron clothes with it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's why you got to add put that, it in the spray bottle. That's why you got to add that corn syrup in. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Don't get me started on that. Um, and, and then usually you boil for an hour, or you know, thirty minutes. Usually an hour is really typical. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. But I did. I actually did bring this up to a boil just to um, kill um, all the. You know, bacteria, lactobacillus is the most common thing that's on that comes on grain. Because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to have a sterile environment. Because then what I do is I actually brought it inside and set it on the on the stove in in, in the house just for somewhere to put it. My because I mean, like, it's a huge fifteen gallon um, you know brew kettle. Um, and then I pitch um, a blend of uh, lactobacillus. Um, actually, it's two lactobacillus. It's uh, it was um, uh, plantarum, and I can't remember what the other one is. Um, but this is the souring process, and it takes. It took about twenty four hours, and I was, you know, measuring the pH. I've got a pH meter, so I'm measuring the pH because I wanted to get tart, but not. I'm not going for something that's like you know, teeth enamel stripping. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want something that's mildly tart and, and refreshing. You know, so as soon as it gets got to, I was targeting like kind of three point four. It got down to three point three five, which is fine. Um, but then what I did is I actually um, put it back on the burner. Brought it up to, I think about 200. I'd actually not even to boil, but just enough to kill everything because I don't want any of that bacteria to continue souring at all because mm-hmm. that's as sour as I wanted to get. And if you leave it, it'll keep getting more and more sour. Right. So kill all the bacteria and then I cool it down, uh, transfer it to the fermenter, and then pitch normal yeast, like just clean, you know, ale yeast. And, and then you let the fermentation process continue. And because the bacteria, even though they sour it quite a bit, they bring the pH down and mm-hmm. then they consume a very small percentage of the sugars. So you still have basically a sugary wort that needs to be turned into beer. And so you, then you pitch normal, you know, Saccharomyces yeast and then takes its, you know, one to two week process. So, so that's done now. Cool. And I uh, just can't wait. Keg. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I have no idea if it's going to be good or not. I mean, I tasted it when, after it's, when it's soured, you mm-hmm. know, and when it got down there and I tasted it and I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's good. It's like mildly tart, but I haven't tasted it since. So I don't know. We'll see. No, we'll see. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I have a question for you. Uh, let's you know, we should get into Salesforce stuff before we start getting hate mail. And, yeah, we'll lose our influencers. I know. We, exactly. <laughs> yeah, since we're, uh, <laughs> since we're such influencers. I think Although that, I made the comment no, that it, it wasn't, up, no, it wasn't not, our names on there. Us. It's the good day, sir. So yeah. it's, it's the community. It's the, is the no, influencer. absolutely. Right. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. There's, if, yeah, I'm not influencing anyone. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but uh, no, it's about lightning components and old school lightning components, not the not the new hotness. Which um, I've been looking. I haven't I haven't done any development of of uh, lightning web components. What what's the what what's the uh, the shorthand for that now? LWCs. Yeah, the LWCs. Some dubs. Some dubs. <laughs> We're so cool, John. We're so hip. <laughs> the, the the kids are gonna love us. <laughs> uh, uh, just wait till the wait till word gets out. Man, I, I use that weapon. <laughs> A lot with my kids. I just I I try to be the most coolest person I can be, which ends up being the most uncoolest oh, person yeah, in their yeah. eyes. And just the are. cringe on their face is yeah. just so satisfying for me. Because now I get to be the old guy trying to be cool. Um, but uh, so you know, I I think I've talked about this. I've inherited a giant code base. Yeah, tons of lightning. You know, traditional. What are they called? Classic Aura, right? Whatever. Which, by the way, we should talk about that. Yeah, Aura I thought project. we'd get into that. Yeah. Um, but I uh. There's, you know, the interesting thing that's happening in in one this one area of the app, um, and it's uh, it's doing this thing where now have you ever done the basically created um, lightning components dynamically? Mm-hmm. Okay, 
So this is where instead of having, you know, static, basically like a markup, like your .cmp file, right? With, right. Uh, you know, you define your attributes and all this stuff and some markup. Instead of that, you basically, um, you, you build up a, a, a JSON string. When you give it, um, you know, it's got to have like an ID attribute and, and, an, and a, like the, an attribute that, def, that defines, the, I guess, the base component type. Right. And, then, and then and then an, a, a, a property called attributes, which is a, an array. Mm-hmm. And then <clears> so you pass in, that's where you define the attributes. And then I think there's like a, is it, a, is it called body or components? Or what, but we, we provide the body of the component, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, so this app, there's this area where, you know, you go into a certain screen, and it's got you know kind of a list of components, almost like almost like page layout or, or, or related list sections, mm-hmm. collapsible and and but they're all these are all defined as um, they're not static components. It's um, it's saying and there's about fifteen hundred lines of of uh, JavaScript that build up this huge JSON object. Yeah, that gets passed to you know dollar a dot create components. Mm-hmm. Which is and, only half the equation, because once you create the components, there's a callback where you can actually start doing stuff with those components if you need to. Yeah, because... Especially if you're trying to create nested you to, you components. Put, you have to put it somewhere, right? I, yeah, that, yeah, that was the hard part, is when I had to nest components. You know, if you have an object graph of component of components, but they need to be nested, it's a pain in the ass, because you basically have to submit all of them, have some way, somehow, to tie them together, because there's nothing to help you do that. And then... After uh, after creation of those components, then you have a component that you can nest or yeah. so stick th- one body one into the other body. So obviously, the, whoever developed this stuff, I think, solved some of these problems because on on that data structure, they also defined um, a property for like a callback. Mm-hmm. So at some point in the component creation lifecycle, like probably after the initial like create or whatever, it if there's this callback defined, then it calls it calls this callback, so it can finish some kind of initialization stuff. But anyway. I also think that when you call create component or create components, mm-hmm. um, doesn't it do a kind of a not a what's the it's not recursive, but it it'll it'll create the whole if, if like you define a component and it defines components and it you know like it'll it'll actually traverse that whole well, you can do a family promise. tree it'll you know it creates them all at once it'll create it'll it'll just keep you know like turtles all the way down right it'll it'll just keep creating mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so at least it does that for you yeah. But anyway, here's my question. Normally, uh, in other like UI frameworks, um, I've done this dynamic thing when you you don't know it's at compile time, like what the UI needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, it could either be a situation of you don't you know maybe depending on certain situations, like you may not need certain components, right? In which in that case, usually what you do is you just say you have like a conditional or if, rendering, yeah. or, you know. Um, but when you really need like components that are so custom based on some data at runtime that you need to be able to create, you know, dynamic components. This is not that situation. I mean, there is nothing, there's no conditional logic in all this component creation. None of it's conditional. It creates the same component hierarchy every single time, regardless. It's completely, like the logic's completely static. So why would you have a screen that has a lot of components but have them just be all dynamic, and you know, you pass it to create you know, the create components method. And why is why it you... is it input or read only interface? What 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 is the the context? So is it just a bunch of related lists? Because I can tell you they, one they, thing: they're kind of they're not related lists. They're kind of like related lists, yeah. But they're um, and they're kind of they have little expandos on the side, like you can hide or show the contents of them, mm-hmm. and then 
inside them is kind of like like a little table, like a related list, and then you can you can add new records. But if you add a new record, then it then it actually instantiates a a, a static component. That's not actually dynamic. So you get like mm-hmm. a dialog box, which is not a dynamic. For some reason, I don't know. They decided to not make that one dynamic. I, I don't know why. <laughs> so you have dynamic components that are actually then popping oh, up so static, they have, they have, static components. Do they have the, the, the modal as a div? This must be old code because you would use an over, you would use the overlay library today and that's kind of dynamically created. You don't, you don't put it in your markup. You just, when you need the overlay, you tell it and then you, you well, give what, it a, What goes in your overlay though? You have another component that represents the the overlay. A static component, right? Right. You okay. have another static component, yeah. and then you tell the overlay include this static component, your custom component, and that has all your your I, stuff in I it. I think that's I think that's what it's doing. I'd have to go okay. back and look. I don't know. I mean, this is this is a fairly large code base. So there's like, I mean, I've spent. There are a few times where I I felt like I needed to just custom build it because there are things that just lightning in general, or yeah, the lightning framework doesn't provide to you. Like just something as simple as I need the label. I need a label that's. That cha- that you know the user the and the admin could be changing or needs to have multilingual support or something. There's no dollar sign label in Lightning. You have to grab that in Apex and pass it up as as metadata. Um, building tables, I have to do that. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Now, if you have a static screen with fields that you know are going to be there, mm-hmm. then you could probably just create all that metadata in some kind of object and pass it pass it and then just reference it each one but if there's some, some kind of fuzziness there then you do kind of have to start going down the route of dynamic or things like that and forget about trying to use and forget about trying to use well i'm not gonna say forget about it but when i tried to use dynamic component creation with a data record so the the, the equivalent of a standard controller in lightning it was a pain and i had a hard time with it in certain situations how does um, so the dollar label that, that respects um, like localization, right? Yeah, yeah. And how does that work in Lightning? I've actually never. Tried. It doesn't work in Lightning. It doesn't work. It doesn't exist in Lightning. But if in Apex, if even you if you have field sets and and you have to basically collect all that field set data, you can either pass forward the field set field set object or field set member object and just use that, or you can abstract it and create your own object hierarchy and send that over. Which is usually what I end up doing. Um, so, real-time follow-up from Kyle Krauss. You can reference labels in Lightning, John. Oh, is this a new thing, or am I just not, nothing like do, not nothing like speed. doing a podcast to, to really shoot down your self-esteem? You know, when you get to, <laughs> everyone corrects you on everything. Oh no, you can do labels, yeah. but you can't you can't get the. So, if I have an object and I have the account dot name, I don't think you can get the name label. Like you can't do s object t- dot. Oh, account yeah, dot yeah. get label or labels dot name and it returned the actual label. Now, if if I'm wrong, let me know. But I yeah, I know you can get labels like the the configurable labels, the global labels you okay. can define. Yeah, but I don't think you can get the actual configured label for a field easily, uh, unless I'm wrong. No, nope, uh, we're being told you're right. Okay, <laughs> John was right. Um, but no, this is, this has been fun. I mean, I've I've been what's it like trial by fire? You know, like dumped into this giant code base. And it's one of these things that I've, I've been, I've been probably working on this for a couple of months. Um, and I've probably, and I've spent lots of time looking at code. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen 10% of it. It's, it's huge. <laughs> it's, it's huge. <laughs> and then there's a, a backend component. That's a giant Java project, um, which uh, runs on AWS, which I'm thinking actually may not even be necessary anymore. 
and that's do you remember we were talking about a couple few weeks ago about how I was like, hey, how 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 is a uh, batch and limits and stuff improved in the past few years? Because I'm thinking about well, we have higher limits. Yeah, and we no, have I'm, other avenues. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to you know like like almost like archaeologically figure out why they thought this thing had to be a Java app that you know runs out of process, you know, off platform. Because I think it doesn't. I don't think it would have to. And and the amount of just engineering overhead and everything that's required to keep this thing running, I'm, I'm just wondering if it could could come back on on the platform. Hmm. It might. Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to spend much time. The, the problem. The problem is that. convincing the uh, the 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 one who holds the purse strings to invest the money in. That's true. Re-engineering no, no. that. Yeah, that's true. And I and I. Hmm. I'm definitely uh, I've learned my lessons on rewriting things and and I didn't believe smarter people than me back when I was younger that said uh, you probably shouldn't rewrite things it's usually not worth it and doesn't work out because those are totally true <laughs> it's usually not worth it, it usually doesn't work out um, but in this case you know it's one of these things that this this company's gonna you know they need to employ it's probably gonna cost them a couple hundred thousand dollars a year um, to keep this thing running. Jeez. And if they could bring it back on platform, then they could just have their Salesforce, existing Salesforce uh, staff, right, that could, could maintain it. So, you know, know, that that would be a good segue to one of our community topics. <laughs> well, I think, I'm, I think I'm kind of done with this, I guess. I just, I just, I just, again, I wanted if there was any rationale for doing dynamic components when there's nothing dynamic about the determination of what components are going to be created. That seems to be the entire rationale for it. And if you don't, if you're not in that situation, if you can statically know exactly which components you need, and they all get instantiated every time anyway, like why mm-hmm. why are you doing all this? Um, t- t- why are you tunneling your component definition in a string? Yeah, because I, I, I typically and, strive not to do dynamic. I I really don't like doing it. Because um, I think it also requires um, callbacks to the server because these components are extending existing components whose mm-hmm. definition is not in this string it's on the server and if you read the if you read the documentation for a create component or create components it says that if you if you have dependencies on components that aren't on the client yet it's going to go it's a, it's an asynchronous call now and it's going to go to the server and get those so that you get, you know it's, you could have this nested series of who knows how many round trips and i don't mm-hmm. and i really don't think there's a lot that you know, Aura or whatever the hell this thing is could do to optimize that because, you know, you 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 instantiate or you're you're um, in the process of um, creating these dynamic components, and then during that process and only during that process can it really know that okay now we we realize that we've got dependencies on other components which are on the server let's go get those mm-hmm. and if those have dynamic stuff you have to go through the process of creating those and then you're going to realize oh well they have st- some dependencies on some other static component definitions. We've got to go get those. And this this could go, I mean, I assume this could keep happening, you know, and it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Could get out of control. Yeah, no, my, my rule of thumb is to try to avoid it unless I, I really have to do it. Um, some some components, you just kind of have to. Um, like ta- d- The data table components is a good example of that. I mean, you, you can set up all the columns and everything kind of ahead of time, and then you can add the data rows, but... I don't know. So you, what uh, what is it you have to do with data table? So you it, on your initialization of your UI when you're implementing a data component, you have to tell it what all your columns are going to be, what the data types are, 
all those kind of things. Okay. And then in a separate operation, you can start loading it with data. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you kind of get the advantage of, of somewhat of caching, because especially if you stick that in the initialization. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made the mistake when I first started working with it of doing that as part of my data collection. So it would grab data and the metadata for the table. And so every time it was rebuilding the whole table. Um, I guess related question, mm-hmm. I know you wanted to segue, but <clears throat> when you, like with your lightning development that you've done, are you, well, like when you're just doing, you know, you need to, you know, get records, save records. Mm-hmm. Are you writing like, you know, or what are they called? Or enable methods or whatever to like get, you know, almost like your custom little repository of like, oh, you know, get this record or, or save a record. Or, or is there some, um, is there some like API? What, what, um, I swear there is. I, and the name escapes me. So now. like the data services? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Maybe data services. Yeah. I've used those where I can. They're not good for it. They're not good for multiple record edits. It's it's great for you know when you have a page that that has a you're going to create a new record and or you're going to edit a record you're going to delete a record. It's great for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had to do one in a while, so if it's changed, let me know. Yeah. But um, it's not it's not one to use for multiple records and things like the that. The data services was did that not come out with the original Lightning component? No, it came out a little bit later. Okay, yeah. I haven't used that, and none of this code is uh, that I can tell is using that. It's just like every time it needs to get records, save records. It's just like custom methods in the controller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you know sometimes it's passing in. Like I think it's a lot of times it's passing in strings, like JSON strings. Is that normal? And then yeah. on the server side, you're deserializing yeah. manually. Well, it goes back strings. to some of those issues I've had where the, the deserialization wasn't happening correctly. For some reason, I would send I would send an object. Um. I would you would pass an object inside of the, your um, what is it your actions properties or whatever parameters that would get sent to the server and and, say, and the Aura framework is supposed to serialize that for you and conversely back you know you you return a, a, an Apex object and yeah. supposed to serialize mm-hmm. for you right. but in some cases something would happen and it just wouldn't serialize correctly and so a lot of times the workaround was you would you would serialize your JSON in JavaScript before passing it. To the Aura framework, and so the or, so the so the, it just sees a string. Okay, and then and you so just, your method, uh, your your Aura enabled method on the Apex side would just accept a string, and you call it JSON. Then you deserialize it into the object and whatever. Yeah, serialize it into the object. It, it seems it just like that's that. one of these things that just nowadays. I mean, when you look at how how nice modern both front end frameworks and back end frameworks are to to see that's just to see the things. And I, and I know I know Lightning Web Components drastically. I think is a from what I've seen. I haven't used it, but I've been watching some stuff. Drastically moves Salesforce closer to modern uh, conveniences of of you know app development. Um, but man, I, and I'm I'm super glad now that I'm doing more Lightning stuff to see that Lightning Web compo- Components is is a thing because ah, just the Aura, just not not competitive, not great. I mean, it, it's I don't want to say not great in terms of I mean it's it's it gets the job done. It's secure. You know, you can. Um, you know, it's it's a full fledged component framework, mm-hmm. but it's just you know it. The markup looks a lot like Visual Force. There's there's just tons, so much markup required, and just to call a server method, or whatever. It's like you know, it's it's like I'll see something that's like you know, fifty, sixty lines of, of of JavaScript code just to make a server call and re- handle the response. I'm like, man, in in uh, React or Vue, that's like that's like three lines of code. I mean, 
it's just it's just, there's so much uh, there is there is a lot of boilerplate with handling callbacks and and things from the server um i, I tip it, and i've thought about trying to find ways to try to abstract that away and tr try to try to create some reuse but at the end of the day i'm not creating that many components especially these days so i'm kind of i'm kind of atrophying there um also i'm really jealous of anyone who's able to to be using lightning web components right right now well i don't see why from what i've seen people are, are just you, you can kind of kind of go one at a time and just start converting if you want to you know if you've got the budget and the time or whatever to start converting your aura stuff to lightning and that they they play well together apparently maybe i'm not sure no they do do they okay yeah well they do you can you can include aura components in your lightning web components but you can't do the reverse i think something yeah. like that something like that <clears throat> and you know I, 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 again I, I'm, I'm still i don't know near enough about I think the underpinnings and and some of the rationale for the the, the design of of Aura, because you know they were obviously Salesforce when they designed when they first of all I wonder, I wonder what year that was it'd be interesting to look at what where front end frameworks were at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, but also you know Salesforce had a lot more problems to solve or or I want to say more, maybe more, but also no, they completely did. different problems. Yeah. So Salesforce is dealing with. Uh, first of all, like a you know an on-demand platform, a multi-tenant platform, and a multi-vendor in a tenant platform, mm -hmm. and has to you know, and that's why you know initially Lightning was actually fairly insecure, which you know no one seemed to write much about. Interestingly, and but the in Locker Service kind of fixed fixed that because mm -hmm. without Locker Service, it's kind of insecure. <laughs> you know, from what I can tell, I mean from from what I know about it. But anyway, they just had to solve all these things that you know. Uh, Angular and React and Vue and Ember and all these things didn't have to solve. They didn't. They didn't have to design for those. No, because I mean they pretty much owned the stack. Unlike unlike us who are developing on top of the platform in relation and participating in the same environment as everyone else. Yeah. So so I don't know. I mean in Visual Force, if if I had if I included one of your components, I could technically reach in and call one of your JavaScript methods right. and do yep. stuff. Yeah, I mean you can get, you know as long as if you could somehow get a reference, or I could even it. inspect your DOM and grab your data. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like I could do that. Yep. So let's see. LWC inside Aura is fine, but you cannot. Yeah, you cannot. I guess put Aura components inside Lightning. Okay. Which so I, I had it reversed. Which okay. makes sense. That sounds right. And my understanding is, I thought, I think some of the newer Aura components are basically wrappers of Lightning Web components. Is what I thought I heard. I could be wrong. Hmm. So I think they're just trying to move everything towards Lightning Web Components. Yeah. Well, that's so. Uh, yeah, I'm jealous of all you pioneers, or should I say, trailblazers, who are out there building <laughs> Lightning Web Components. I have not had a chance or the opportunity to dip my my toes in the water, but uh, I'm looking to. You really haven't done any uh, LWC yet. No, I've I've been um, reading documentation, but I haven't actually just put code into an IDE yet or into a text editor. I just haven't gotten that far. I got a lot of distractions. I'm becoming that old guy who who's who's kind of just trying to find time to survive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't. I, I, I can, you know, I life, can, I can, family. You're, see, you're trying to get me to go down your rabbit hole, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Let's transition to whatever it was you were. <laughs> All right. So this. And by is the a, way, we are about to a, we're about to enter the segment of the show called exploring the dark corners of Jeremy's beer cellar. Oh wow! Remember that we started this a yeah. few weeks ago. All these I've got, I've just got, I think it's six or eight boxes, cases, 
uh, very of almost all singles, like different in you know, individual. Like this is a bomber, right? Bombers and seven fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've just got. I don't know. I've got a. I mean, some of them are sellable, but I. It's kind of a pain in the ass. I really don't want to go through the effort of selling them um, to give them away. But I was like, eh, start drinking them on the show because my <laughs> beer nerd friends. I mean, they wouldn't. They wouldn't wait. They wouldn't touch this. Oh, because they've already had it once. No, it's not even. It's not even that. It's just that you know, there's 15 other like, you know. Uh, b- bottles that they they traded for, they stood in line for that are you know adjuncted and barrel aged mm. in four different barrels over the course of the past two years. And I always know, thought it was it, just it tastes the- like some kind of cake. It's got to taste like cake. If it tastes like beer, at, if it doesn't taste like some kind of chocolate cake, then they're not going <laughs> to drink it. It's got it cannot taste like beer at all. And don't get me wrong, I those are a lot of those are delicious beers, but they're usually ones I want like one sip of, and then I'm like, okay, give me something that tastes like hops or, or actual roasted barley yeah. or something. All right. So this, this is, is uh, let me just say what this is. This is the Commissar by faces? Real Ale. Who is, what are they, Houston? Somewhere down there. Blanco. They're in Blanco. Yeah, really. Where's Blanco? Um, I don't know, down there somewhere. Mm. Down there somewhere in uh, the Texas line. Just down there somewhere. Yep. Yeah. But I like Real Ale. They have, um, they make Hans Pills, which is uh, one of the, one of the more familiar. famous Pilsners in, in Texas. Yeah, I think I've had that. It sounds yeah, familiar. So you can get six packs pretty much year round, I think. Yeah. This is a uh, Russian imperial stout, and I'm guessing it's actually going to have some roast flavor, and it's going to, you know, not let you uh, forget about the fact that it's a Russian imperial stout. <laughs> anyway, I go with and that. I'm, I'm turning into old man beer guy. I used to be, you know, like line waiting, trading beer nerd douchebag, and now I'm like old man beer guy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone has that as a title. <laughs> Old man beer guy. Anyway, all right, segue. Segue. So this one's going to be anonymous because uh, I didn't get approval to use the name. Uh, I think you're going to have a lot to say about this. Um, it's kind of lengthy, so I'm just going to read it. Uh, I hope you'll listen, or we can take it pieces at a time. Uh, he says, uh, recently I found myself often questioning whether Salesforce is the right tool for the job when business proposes a new project. For instance, my company is considering an overhaul of our investor portal that's been hosted on a force.com site for about five years now. It's a fairly basic portal, yet the community user licenses alone cost the business around $150,000 per year. Oh, yeah. And we've been struggling to stay within govern limits. Yeah, it's mm. painful. Uh, what, do you, limits, huh? what do you consider when deciding whether building a custom solution in Salesforce makes sense? You can pull from any experience you've had, though I would be interested to hear if you have uh, opinions or insights concerning communities uh, slash force.com sites in particular. Uh, example given the actually it's not example given eg is what it's some latin thing uh, the security and sharing permission architecture would be difficult to reproduce outside of salesforce uh yeah there's more i'm just trying to read this <laughs> as salesforce experts i believe we should have enough of a grasp on other technologies to help make decisions about high level architecture including which tools to use but I find that many of us Salesforce developers have not had much exposure to the world of development outside of the confines of this proprietary platform. I wonder if you could wax philosophically about the general advantages of using widely adopted industry tools, uh, example, Java, Docker, Spring Framework, etc., when it comes to speed of implementation, scalability, cost, etc. Relatedly, do you think that Salesforce customers are more likely to hang themselves with the long rope of customiz- customizability 
the platform gives you, or is the problem the same when using more widely used programming languages and frameworks? After all, you can write bad code with bad architecture with any tools. I that's think, a lot. I think this person <clears throat> trained some machine learning algorithm <laughs> on all of our shows <laughs> and and then optimized it for it. Ask a question that's going to trigger Jeremy in as many ways as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so should we break this down? See Maybe so. Can respond. Maybe so. I mean, I have overall thoughts, but should we? I mean, I guess we can break it down. I don't know. Bring it down so, for us, John. Yeah. So let's let's. Do you have a reaction to the hundred fifty thousand per year struggling to stay within governor limits? No, that, I mean that, that's a super common story. I mean, yeah. I can tell a story about a client. Well, I mean, okay. do you think that's that's an issue, or do you think it's on par with if you had to go custom, set up hardware, um, pay for you know CPU time, all developer time, and 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 dual expertise, Salesforce expertise, and all that? Do you have a reaction to that? I mean, it, it. I think it's a. My reaction is it's a valid question. Um, you know, Salesforce is a. It's a software as a service, mm-hmm. and you know, it costs a lot of money to, to develop and maintain software, and you know, they charge what is it, hundred and fifty bucks a user per month or whatever. If you have a lot of users, it can get expensive. Um, but what are you going to do? You know, I mean, what, well, what's what's as good that's cheaper? Maybe yeah, there are things. I, I don't know. I mean, I, so, I, I, I'm sending a stay. I'm setting. I'm, I'm laying a platform here in terms okay. of, my, of my answer. So I'm supposed to. No, shut no. Up. I mean, not necessarily. I'm just saying this, that's <laughs> not. I'm not done. Is what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't interject. I'll just drink I, my beer. I'm building. Yeah. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, Salesforce is worth what people are willing to pay for it. And and Salesforce is now a you know twelve billion dollar company. People are. No, I should say that. I, I, I got to be careful. They're they're worth oh, well over a hundred billion dollars, but their revenue they're they're selling twelve billion dollars a year worth of this stuff, and it's not because it's not valuable. You know, you can get into specific specific cases of is Salesforce worth it for this or that or whatever, and those are all valid questions. And I think people should go through those exercises, just like I think people should ask the question of what happens if we invest in, a lot in this platform and um, Salesforce starts raising the price, or we don't like what they're doing, or we want to go somewhere else, and Remember, you know, my thing is, and I had a meeting with a, or not a meeting, I met up with a, a, a colleague um, a few days ago, and we were reminiscing about the, the days when CIOs actually gave a shit about vendor lock-in. It seems like no one cares about that, except for platform providers. I'm not sorry, like infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you got you need to run on, you know, Kubernetes so that you're not, uh, you know, you don't want to call any Amazon APIs directly or what all this stuff. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure, that makes sense, but... You know, why are people, you know, spending millions of dollars in their Salesforce implementation, knowing that un- unlike, you know, your Kubernetes development or your old school J2EE, when you could, you know, if if uh, IBM started jacking around in your web sphere, you could, or or if they, it just wasn't as good or started having problems, I mean, you could go, to, you could go talk to JBoss, go talk to uh, BEA, go talk to Oracle or any of these other providers, you know, you could, I mean, it was somewhat portable, not that you wouldn't have problems, right? But you know, you're you're programming to APIs for a reason. And Salesforce, I mean, they'll program in APIs and, and the Visual Force and Apex and Lightning. It's, it's all proprietary. You are, you're not going anywhere with that. It's the Roach Motel of, you know, enterprise software. And people should ask these questions. I'm not saying you shouldn't build stuff on Salesforce. I'm just saying you should understand what you're doing. You know, you should know, you should, it, you're making, I mean, you're making these trade-offs whether you realize it or not. And you should, it's as much as possible, you should understand these trade-offs you're making. And it's not, and it's, it, it's, it's price and value, but it's also 
flexibility, portability, ag- agility, you know, what can, you know, future options, you know, all that kind of stuff. So th- this is all, this is good stuff. People should think about this stuff. Um, a specific case. Um, I mean, I've done tons of, so just for the Salesforce employees, I think I'm hurt. I mean, I'm, I promise you I've made Salesforce a thousand times more money than I've made for myself building stuff on Salesforce. Um, <laughs> Which probably gives me heartburn right now. Yeah, take um, a drink. I know, and I've got Benioff <laughs> looking at me right now too, which I'm not, I don't like this look he's giving me right now. <laughs> you know, you could always switch that picker out for some family. Members, I know it's. You know. I, I probably should. I'm seeing. I, I'm testing myself. See how long I can go having Benioff stare at me all day. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. It's very creepy. Um, but in it, you know, I had a uh, an opportunity to a company that. You know, had a a big, fairly big community. So I should say, I was going to say, I've done very large community stuff on Salesforce. And I was I was the community guy for several years. Like people were just like coming to me with like, oh, I heard you build these custom communities. And and I got to where that's the only kind of communities I would do were ground up custom. I, I just, I would not do, I just had too many problems with trying to use the templates or all these other things because you ultimately you're going to end up, you just hit limits and walls mm-hmm. and stuff you can't do. And I was like, yeah, I, don't, I only do completely custom. And uh, so I, I did a lot of those and, and with big clients that, that pay Salesforce a lot of money, right? Um, and even a lot more money because of these communities. But this was one instance where this company was like, hey, we've got this community. We've had it for a few years. We built a lot, a lot of stuff in it. I mean, a lot of custom stuff. It, it's a highly customized community. But it's costing us like 300 grand a year and we're not super happy with certain aspects or whatever. Like, could we get this off of Salesforce somehow, but they want to keep using Salesforce. Like they want to keep mm-hmm. their org and for their own corporate <clears throat> org and keep using Salesforce internally. Right. They just wondered like, can we have a community that runs separate and then like somehow like shares data or whatever. And so um, actually, you know, took about a, took about a year to completely replace all this functionality, but I built them a, it's a, you know, it's a, on the view stack on the front end and the back ends is, is, is Java spring um, and it, there's an integration that pushes lots of data back and forth between this portal and Salesforce. And they, yeah, they might, they migrated to this new portal. I mean, it costs them, I don't, I don't know how much I, over the course of the time I built, I mean, let's say, let's say it costs them a couple hundred thousand dollars, mm-hmm. one, one time cost. Um, their Amazon bill, they usually don't get a bill cause they're, st- they stay within the free tier. Every once in a while they'll get a bill where like, it'll be like a $5 for the month. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. Wow. And it's you know it's it's they've got a or Postgres database running. They've got you know web servers running. They've got um, um, they've got a load balancer running. There's the integration server running. There's all the stuff and and it's still it's like it's so incredibly cheap. Um, but they did have to pay to have their entire community completely redeveloped. And and I, I mean some of the stuff was highly uh, lots of functionality that had mm-hmm. to be. Uh, you know, scheduling algorithms and and all kinds of like reconciliation things that I, I can't really get into, but interesting stuff that required a lot of development. But I mean, you know, I I, did, I helped them figure out, okay, well, let's you know, this is what it would cost to probably this is my guess of what it's going to cost you to to rebuild all this. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the disadvantages because there's a lot of disadvantages to having like a custom thing like that. That's that's you're kind of responsible for. You know, like, I mean, it's not, you don't have, I mean, there's a, there's some benefits to like the, the bumper bowling model of, of Salesforce and visual force and lightning and all that stuff. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's limitations to it and there's cost to it, but I mean, it does, you know, provides things. I mean, and, and, and they, they, one of the questions was about security. Like it, God, it seemed like it would be a pain to re, to recreate all that, 
the whole security model. And I will tell you, if you need all the bits and bobs and features of that security model, don't try to rebuild it. Right. I mean, so when we looked at what security was required, it was actually fairly simple. There's kind of a couple of what you consider like profiles or whatever. And um, I think uh, this project, I mean, I used uh, Spring Security for a lot, for a good amount of the security. Um, and it was relatively simple. You know, didn't need a super extendable, customizable security model um, with a lots of like hierarchy type stuff. It just, we didn't have that need because that definitely might have tipped it back in Salesforce and back in, you know, stay on the Salesforce. Well, communities side. is interesting because typically with the community, you have one or two profiles and the sharing unless you start going into the community plus realm and everything, your sharing rules are pretty limited. You can maybe share an ob, maybe up to 10 objects, but there's no like conditional sharing logic or anything until you get into the plus tier. Yeah. Um, which used to be the normal thing. Yeah. Plus is now what was normal now is plus. Yeah. And what so. now is normal is super limited. <laughs> it's <says> super basic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if you don't have plus, then, yeah, you don't get um, you don't get sharing rules. Um, what is it? Uh, share you get sharing sets was is they invented a new feature just for, which yeah, is actually you kind get of a, sharing sets. Which is kind of super useful little security tool. Um, it is, but it's not as great as being able to say. Wait, is it sharing sets? What am I thinking of? It's no, the, it's, it's a it's 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 a data. It's like data oriented sharing. Um, I don't know how to describe. It. Is it sharing sets? Maybe I think it's it called sharing sets. Okay. But and you get a, like a limited set of attributes that you can share to, and it's but it's really limited. It's not as expansive as, to say, the normal sharing rule model. Yeah, so just check it in with the, the Slack here. Um, yeah, it's a development plus ongoing maintenance. And, and sure, I mean, that's that's part of it, right? And I think, yeah. and, and this this company even has, has hired a, I don't think it's a full-time person, but like a probably half, half-time, you know, contractor just to do ongoing development and maintenance. But they had, they had that, it, they're going to have that with Salesforce, because because yeah. mainly, I mean, their their maintenance they're doing is is you know adding features, um, you know, changing things. So you know, you're gonna have that one way or another. And you know, it's all set up now. You know, I mean, I I architected and built built the entire thing, and it's, for the most part, it's kind of maintenance free. I mean, you know, the the database is running on RDS, so it's a it's a managed. I mean, it's, they're all running on all pretty much all managed services, so it's not like they're doing low level stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's just not a lot of management from that perspective, but but yeah, I mean you you are kind of you're a little bit more on your own, you know. I mean, if you have something go wrong, and I guess you put it, could in a, put in a ticket with AWS, but I mean they're only going to help you with their infrastructure bits. Like, oh, did S3 not do something right, or are you having a problem with your code? Okay, well, good luck with that. You know, go to our forums. Of course, now that's what Salesforce development support tells you anyway. Is oh, that's development. Go to the forums. You know, so I'm not sure it's all that <laughs> much worse, but. But at least, I mean, I don't know, with Salesforce, there's there's the perception of more support. I mean, I think you can generally, I mean, if, if, if the features of the software aren't working right, or there's a bug or something, you know, you can get support on that with Salesforce. Yeah. But, but, but because there's aspects of it that are under their control. So like security, if, if you had some kind of security issue, you can get support for that because that's all wrapped into the Salesforce platform. Sure. Versus custom, well, that's custom, yep. so go to your developer forums. Right, and also, I mean, the other thing to think is, you know, they might have a feature requirement that really, that does need more enhanced security, and they're going to have to figure out how to build that on on their on their own, you know, assuming that Salesforce's security model would have handled that type of use case, and maybe it would have, but, mm-hmm. and let's say it would have, so you would have gotten that for free, so to speak. 
with Salesforce. And now you're going to have to build that on your own. So, I mean, it's, right. it's not, I mean, a lot of times it's, it's not a necessarily, it's not, there's not an easy answer. It's not an obvious answer. So what do you think about the, the, the concept of say speed to market and things like that? I mean, would it, would it have been faster if they sacrificed a few features to just implement on a community versus the full custom dev that you did? Yeah, so I'm a consultant, right? So I'm going to have to say it depends. <laughs> uh, for certain times of things, yeah, it's going to be faster on Salesforce. I mean, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, there's no, you don't have to, you don't have to type create database, right. you know? <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of stuff, you know, you get the database, you get, you get authentication and login screens and all, and all kinds of, you know, um, but it's just so much you do get just out of the box with Salesforce. And for, for say scalability, are they taking advantage of Amazon for that? Yeah. So, so that's really kind of just a one to one, you think? Yeah. So it, it'll add app servers as needed based on security, uh, based on scaling parameters that you can control. It's pretty simple. Right. And, and, yeah. but it would be a different story if you're writing it on your own hardware. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, sure. Right. And, and nowadays, I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine your, the concept of your own hardware. I don't think that concept really exists anymore. Um, what? You're advocating for vendor lock-in on hardware? No, no, no. <laughs> no it's the opposite. Like, I don't even know what the hardware is. I'm not locked into the hardware because, again, like, and if you're not going to, if you want to go lower level, again, you're kind of like at a Kubernetes type thing where mm. um, that also scales. I mean, so this this company has to be, happens to be on Elastic, it's Elastic Beanstalk. Um. But it just as well could have been the Kubernetes, right? Where mm-hmm. and that's again that and that's that's complexity that I don't think buys them anything. And so, um, you know, we didn't go that route. But you totally could have. And and even with Kubernetes, I mean, um, you, know, you define your parameters and and how many you know pods that you need and how you want it to scale and all that. And it's kind of declarative. You know, you define that, and then Kubernetes does the does the stuff that it does. You know, it spins up pods. It whatever it needs to do. You can define all that stuff. And and that's, again, that's portable to wherever you want to go. I mean, as, as long as they have a, you know, the, a, a compliant infrastructure stack. Mm-hmm. What did I miss, John? No, I think you covered pretty much most of it. Um, let's see. Promising. Yeah, I mean, his last point about, you know, oh, it doesn't really matter what platform you're on. I mean, bad code is bad code and bad architecture is bad sure, architecture absolutely. without yep. with any tools. So. And I, I complain about the just the horrendous code I see in the Salesforce world, but I see I see just as bad stuff in the Java world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I see really bad stuff. Now, so, do you think that, do you think there's an advantage, at, at least in some aspect to the governor limits, kind of forcing you to be really efficient and and kind of forcing you to, to kind of think through your architecture mm, a little bit. I think that's been a little generous to Salesforce. I, I was going to say, though, um, one thing. No, just more of as a symptom or a side effect. I guess you, you'll find out faster with Salesforce if you have yeah, a potential <laughs> performance <laughs> problem. They're going to let you know, like, immediately. And if you get into a recursive loop, you won't be like, you, you won't walk away and come back from dinner and go, why is that still running? Yeah, you won't be like, why has <laughs> it, it been running so slow for the past two hours? No, it just, because Salesforce will stop it within, yeah. you know, five seconds and, and let you know. Um, but no, the thing also, I guess I would say that on this route that I went with this client, um, security is all on you, actually. So it's not just implementing the security model, but it, it's getting the entire security stack right yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So 
you got to know the latest stuff on how to secure HTTP cookies and JSON web tokens and um, all the all the things you need to do to prevent all these different types of, of ta- attacks on the web. Mm-hmm. Salesforce, you don't even, I mean, I don't even think they document that. It just, you get it for free. They're doing it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to have a developer who understands that. Now, that's one of my pet peeves is so many developers that you don't understand basic web security, even though they're developing web apps. And I know Salesforce does a lot of it for you, but somewhere sooner or later, you're going to develop something because you don't know what you're doing and you're going to make this huge security hole. And um, so you should know that stuff. But the reality is, is with what I did with this client, like, I mean, you really need to understand that that whole that whole stack from HTTP on up. And, yeah. um, you know, <clears throat> that's just something you have to have. And, and on, again, in the developers, in the Salesforce space, I mean, you really don't, you could, I would say you could, you can get, you could, potentially get away with um, a developer who doesn't, who doesn't, is not skilled up in those areas and potentially not create any security holes in your application. Whereas yeah. if you're building this yourself in you know, a rail stack or Java and they don't know what they're doing, you're, oh, you're absolutely going to have security holes. That thing's going to be like Swiss cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Some feedback on the community is that uh, on government alerts, it, it helps, but it's just the constraint it's more of a constraint than an aid for how it forces you to write code, which is which is true. I, yeah, I think it, in more it, more cases, it's kind of working against me than it is helping me. Yeah, and because with, with governor limits, and, and I don't blame them, but Salesforce is they've defined the trade offs the way they want to define the trade offs. And whereas, and if it's a stack that I control, you know, if I want to write, I can decide how when I you know is it is it better for me just to like bump up my database server to a bigger server, or spend a week of my time going through and optimizing a bunch of queries. Right, because nowadays it's the, often the former. It's like, man, eh, this doesn't make sense for me to spend, you know, ten grand to some developer's time doing this. Just bump it up to a server that's fifty bucks more a month. Right, and and then in but, the, and oftentimes that gets you down the road for six months, and that's fine. It's, it's like pragmatic engineering. Yeah, I, I guess only to offer a kind of devil's advocate to that is that for for someone with say your experience, that's fine. Your your ability to make that kind of decision. Is 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 fine? Like I, I I trust that 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 viewpoint, but there are a lot of developers who Salesforce is their first platform. It is their first development environment. It is their only development vi- environment, and they might not understand those type of concepts. And they're writing code that's just extremely inefficient and will do extremely crazy things. Yeah, and, they, and, and so Salesforce right. is just trying to protect against that. So they're kind of just protecting against the lowest denominator. We, we as more advanced developers, can can kind of take offense to it, but at the same time, they're just trying to protect the platform and the resources that are available to. I don't, I don't take offense to that at all. The, the the thing that kind of is kind of annoying is the a side effect of that is is because Salesforce is kind of brute forces you to have decent security and to and to not be able to burn up hardware and all that kind of stuff. It enables developers who don't know any of that stuff. To, to kind of coast on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, you know, and, and you know, th- that's a double-edged sword because the benefit is, like, you can literally take a trailhead for a couple of weeks and and start doing some coding. And, and trust me, I get developed, I, I mean, I get, I, I see these people all the time because we're doing a lot of recruiting, you know, lots of people who are Salesforce developers. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, okay, <laughs> I guess, you know. But to a certain um, extent, we all kind of coast. It doesn't matter what language or environment we're in. I mean, we don't worry about memory allocation, like, like, past developers do or assembly programmers no, I, do or no. game programmers do. I mean, we just like, declare a variable and stick some some data no, in I, it. I do all memory management myself. Oh, I've you do? Job, I drop oh, down to you C. You do your own garbage I, collection I, too I, I and everything? I drop down to C and I'm, it's all malloc and, you know, 
<laughs> I'm counting pointers myself. <laughs> so, I mean, to a certain extent, no, we're all I'm, kind I'm of... Not, I'm not berating or, like, de degrading. I mean, because we all started from nothing, and we're all somewhere in, our, in this mm -hmm. journey. You know, I'm, that's not my point. It's just that... But, I mean, there's things... There's things right now that I'm not qualified to, to do as an engineer, and I may not even know it. Like, someone... There's got to be someone who knows that thing better than me that can look at me and say, oh, well, you actually don't know what you're doing in this area, so you shouldn't do this. You actually suck I mean, at this. You, yeah, you, I mean, because you don't know what you don't know sometimes. You can serve yourself there, sir. Um, yeah, Salesforce as a vehicle for upward career mobility for developers. Uh, interesting topic. Complicated. It's complicated. I mean, I, I, you know, I know I bitch a lot about these things, but I mean, I think it's, I don't know, it's, a lot of people have a lot more interesting jobs now because of Salesforce and Trailhead. It's and, true. And I, you know, I got to make sure that I'm not, I don't ever want to get to be the guy that's like the elitist dick de developer, you know, who's like, you know, it's like, oh, you don't, you know. Is you that a marker? You Can that be a title? You know, elitist I, dick? I, probably. I don't know. <laughs> um, the, you know, but the thing is, I, the, you, you know, you need to know. You need to know who you're working with, what your skills are, who you're hiring, you, and you need to. And that's that's one of that's one of my criticisms of, I guess you need to of. Um, that's not even a criticism. It's just it's an observation of the of the Salesforce their whole offering that I don't feel like they do a great job on helping people understand like when you've crossed that line into okay, you're not just configuring our software anymore. You're building your own software. Mm -hmm. And you need you, there's like a maturity model. You need to take the next step up, like in that maturity model. Yeah, and maybe that's automated test. Maybe it's, um, yeah. There's all kinds of. Stuff. I mean, I don't know. Automated test, version control. Um, um, what else? Like understanding, um, or maybe rearchitecting some of your your automation, you know, workflows versus process builder and triggers, and having a better strategy and all that stuff. Not to say that you shouldn't use any of those three, but how you use them, um, how you mix them together. I mean, just like you know, just I don't know. There's like there's a, just a discipline around. You need to be able to maintain this thing. Yeah, you're running your business on this, and if some if you discover something's broken or you need new features added, like you know, you should be able to. Add those in a, and make these changes in a rational way, and and be relatively modern on like on being able to deploy, deploy quickly and roll back quickly, and and uh, and be able to make changes and and have a, the proper test suite so that you can make changes and and relatively securely know that you haven't just broken your entire business. Right. I mean, just and and I don't know. I mean. Salesforce is first and foremost a selling and marketing company. They're very that's they're very very good at that. Not to you know not to say they don't have some good engineers and some and some good engineering. They certainly do. But I mean they're just out there selling the sizzle, right? And they have been since day one. I mean they're always selling past where they are right now. Yeah. I mean this goes back to when Mark Benioff in Dreamforce probably ten years ago, whenever that was, fifteen years ago, said, you know, he wants you to build the next Salesforce on Salesforce. Well, it's still not possible. It's never going to be possible. But that's the kind of stuff they sell. They're always going to sell out and ahead of where they are which is fine they got to sell Every, all companies sell they all do this yeah um and they've uh you know they've, i i have i have specific you know nits about some of the quasi promises they make but again this is all from especially from a legal perspective is just considered marketing valid hype. marketing yeah <clears throat> yeah it's just marketing hype. Mm -hmm. gotta cut through it <laughs> what's a rollback <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, you know, uh, Salesforce is 20 years this month, right? So 99 to, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what month it was, but this it is February. Yeah. 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 Maybe 20 years from now, they'll break a profit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 20 years. That's a milestone. Do we accept real time, um, community topics? Yeah. Is this why this works? Yeah. I mean, I assume that that's it, the whole point of live, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> and I, I'm not even, I, you know, if you want us, if you're okay with us saying your name, if you're asking us these questions, then let us know. But so question for consideration, if you accept the argument that certain traditional software ideas translated to the Salesforce ecosystem are powerful helpers, examples, patterns, process controls, continuous integration, et cetera, what's on the list, what's on the list back the other direction? Are there things that, that are Salesforce specific that would help. Oh, interesting. That would help you out in the real world. So what, what has maybe another way to say is what has Salesforce innovated that the rest of the world can learn from? Is that, is that what that is? Um, anyway, that, this comes in from Chuck Liddell, famous MMA fighter. Are there I think, things I think, that are, I think he's retired nowadays, right? Are there things that are Salesforce specific that would help you out in the real world in the dev space? Yeah. You know, I would say for sure my ability to write more efficient code, at least in terms of just sheer lines of, because before it was nothing to loop through and do two or three queries within a loop for 100,000 records. No big deal. My code is adjacent to the to the database server. It's, it's milliseconds, if, if fractions of milliseconds. Um, I've learned how to write a little bit more efficient code, how to, maybe cache my results or maybe try to create some, some more hash tables or maps or whatever you want to call them and, and try to be a little more efficient with, with that. Um, I, I think that's helped me improve quite a bit. And I got to say, I mean, again, as much as they're the bane of our existence, um, governor limits for sure. Because, again, if you're running on a non-managed platform, <clears throat> you don't have governor limits. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's up to your own dumb self, right? How right. What, what? How many servers you catch on fire because you don't know what you're doing. Salesforce doesn't let you do that. I mean, you are forced to understand about pretty much all aspects, CPU time, how much memory you're using, how many records you're creating, what you're doing to the database, how, how optimized your queries are, um, how, you know, dumb stuff you're doing with callouts, keeping, keeping database transactions open over, mm -hmm. across calls across the internet. Yeah. Which people do. I yeah. mean, not in the Salesforce world because they don't let you. Right. But people that are building more custom software, they do these dumb things all the time. I see it all the time. Yeah. And it, you know, it creates deadlocks and all kinds of crap. And on, and Salesforce forces you, for better or worse, to understand these things. Um, some people that will make them better developers and some people will just, like just randomly change shit until it actually works. And they'll be mm -hmm. like, oh God, thank God I got past that. I have no idea what I did, but I, and yeah, well, we've all done that too. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, I don't know what I did to fix it, but it's fixed and I'm going home now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, the question is, you know, could you lay in bed a lot at night, that night with the curiosity of like, I actually now wonder what I, what the, I need to figure that out. Like what, yeah. you know, cause that's bothering me now. That's kind of, I think that's the mindset you want to have, you know, but um, that's one thing. And that I think Salesforce definitely teaches um, it, it you you have to think about efficiency and performance and all that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, but this is something that Salesforce teaches us. But I mean, innovation Salesforce is so the whole just again in browser in in single page app multi vendor. Yeah, that's 
That's got to be an innovation. Just I mean, the security who, model alone, just yeah. understanding mm-hmm. how how your code is is existing at the same place as someone else's code. And yes, you have to secure that. You have to prevent yeah, someone else yeah. from reaching into my code, calling my stuff. Maybe I'm writing a, uh, maybe I'm sitting on the back of the ERP right now and I have direct calls to the API. I don't need you coming in here and messing with my stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, that, that necessitated the creation of Locker and you got to know what you're doing with all that. And that does put limitations and there's some disadvantages. But I mean, it's if if you understand the overall good, like that's a lot of engineering that went into that, and they had to figure all that stuff out. And it's you know I don't know. You, I, I guess you could argue about how elegant of a solution it is, but it's something they've done that I I'm not saying no one else has done it. I just have I don't, I don't know. Maybe out systems or maybe Oracle's. Yeah. Um, what is you know, it's funny Oracle they have that Apex, but what is that? That's their um, that's their um, they have this thing called Apex, which is their it's not a language. It's their um, it's their like kind of a low code app building thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe some other things do that too. I don't know, but um, I mean, I, I would probably add to this list. It also teaches you a fair amount of appreciation for uh, for other systems. I think um, the flexibility you have with other systems, the the amount of control you have oh, so with other systems. The, now we're into backhanded compliments. No, it's not. It's not really a backhanded <laughs> compliment, but but at the same time, you kind of you kind of understand you know what you had. <laughs> Especially for someone coming from that world and coming in here and being a little more restricted, I, I kind of understand what I had there. I don't take it for granted as much, per, per se. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, someone chimed in and said uh, integrations. Yeah, you do get a, a, a efficient integrations. Um, my ability to create a more efficient integration definitely stems from my work with Salesforce because I there are limits there to work with. There are constraints to work with. So that does get carried on into other systems where other systems... You might have a back-end data warehouse, and you can move data however you want, however much you want, millions of records. But when you get into the Salesforce world, now you have to really think about the efficiency, the amount of time it takes, the layers that it's going through in terms of the security model and everything else, and, and, and all those things. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's more of a benefit to Salesforce that you have to think about. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, what, what benefits you as an engineer like what or a developer. You know, what, <clears throat> what, have, what, have, what have you learned or what has Salesforce taught you? Right, that um, that you wouldn't have necessarily learned other places. I was thinking of, an, I, I, you know, speaking of integrations. I mean, yeah, so Salesforce integration capabilities are, are pretty. I mean, they've always been pretty good. Like, I mean, Salesforce is kind of was kind of the poster child for kind of for SOAP, mm-hmm. right? Which for a while was considered a good thing. Now it's like <laughs> super gross. <laughs> <laughs> But they did. I mean, they you know they were. I mean, they were rocking the the XML RPC API. You know, you could integrate with Salesforce with web software. You know, it was web software, right? But back when, when that was a rare thing. I mean, that was considered some super advanced feature or whatever. And for them, that was just it was like part of their DNA. It's like we're gonna you're gonna be able to integrate. We're gonna have an API. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if they had an API out of the gate because I didn't work with Salesforce until like 2003, I think. Such a new. But by then, they're, so they're four years old. By then, they had the XML RPC API. Yeah. And they'd had it for a while. I feel like it was already on version three by then. So I'm assuming they had it for a, at least a couple of years. Hmm. Um, but I mean, since then, and, and now they now we've got things like you know platform events, which um, you know t- take a lot from the messaging world, like the J kind of the JMS type messaging world. Um, and it's native on platform in re- I mean, in a lot of aspects, really nice. Yes, there's limitations. It's a managed service. There's limits and all that kind of stuff. Asterisk, 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 right? But it's pretty freaking cool. 
and also like this new change data capture, which kind of is a game changer for integration. I'm sure Chuck could probably explain why and all that, mm -hmm. but it's it's really nice. I just wish they would take it out of beta so I can actually suggest people use it. I don't know if it's going to be free or if it's going to cost a hundred grand a year or if it's going to you know if it's going to go away. But it's I don't I don't think it will. Um, but it's going to be nice. Um, so and and everything in between there. I mean, all the innovations they've had with. You know, but here's one thing they still haven't done. I don't get it all. So I had to integrate with this. This is about a year ago. Like a, this, um, it's a recruiting system. Mm -hmm. Completely SaaS, born in born SaaS, born with modern SaaS, modern SaaS company. Like, you know, probably five years old, maybe. And um, I did need to do a Salesforce integration with this with this with this recruiting software, and it was super easy because they have this amazing innovation called webhooks, <laughs> which is when something happens in the recruiting system, you can say, hey, call this URL and just pass in a data structure of what just happened. Mm -hmm. right? Now, in Salesforce, it's pretty easy to capture that. I mean, it's, um, you know, you set up a, um, what did I set up? I don't know, some kind of Apex <clears throat> class with whatever and expose it as like a, a rest endpoint or something. I can't remember. Something no, like that. the webhook equivalent in Salesforce is web to lead. <laughs> but anyway, so I mean, it's basically just, you know, Webhook is like something happens and we will call the HTTP listener of your choice and just pass mm -hmm. this thing. And you can do with it whatever you want. And Salesforce still doesn't, does it not? I mean, I'd love to be wrong. Please prove me wrong here. This is like an easy way to set up. Uh, uh, so Salesforce's Webhook was, now this is before I think Webhook was a name, but like outbound messaging. Again, back in the SOAP land, that's yeah. a Webhook. That, mm -hmm. was, that was the enterprise Webhook. Mm. No, it is. I, I struggle to call that a webhook. That's what that is. There's such a contract between I'm, the two. I'm, it's it's not it's not what you would call a webhook now. But I'm saying it, it accomplished the same thing. But it was just it was back in the days when Wizzle and Soap were the hotness. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so that that's why they did it with Wizzle and Soap. I guarantee you, if Salesforce didn't ever have outbound messages and they were going to add them today, it would be a webhook model. It would not be Soap and Wizzle. But I still don't know why Salesforce hasn't added just like easy. Can I not have easy webhooks? Like, what if I just want to ping my GitHub when I create an account in Salesforce? Or, or I don't know. Some, I'm trying to think of something. But, like, it's not – it should be super easy because this is the web and it's HTTP, and it's not right now. Well, how simple do you need it to be? I mean, for the most part, you have named credentials, which will take care of your authentication, and then you just have a call-out, simple call-out to – to initiate that request, can I just but can I just like check a box and write in an HTTP URL and just hit save and now I've got call, I've got I've got mm. webhooks because that's I, what webhooks are. I think that might be coming with flow. Do I have to write you, Apex to actually make a call? I think today yeah. you have to write okay. webhooks, but I, I think with some of the uh, quote unquote, and I'm just hearing rumors about this, but I think with flows they're they're trying to create the ability in flows for you to be able to define some of these um, simple service contracts where you can just say call this URL this endpoint and here's yeah. some data. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, anyone who's like, I mean, look at the GitHub webhooks. Like when someone commits, when someone does a commit, uh, call my continuous integration service. Mm -hmm. It's a super simple setup. Yeah, it's, it's declarative, right? It's, yeah, it's exactly what I want. It's just some, some super simple declarative thing to set up. It's, it's not hard. It shouldn't be hard. Yeah. I don't know why it's not there. Yeah. Maybe there's not enough demand. There's endless demand. <laughs> it got to be endless demand. Well, I mean, for most cases, uh, a lot of these platforms where there is demand for for those platforms, they have an app exchange product. You install it, and it kind of does that for you. Yeah, but that's gross. I know. That's gross. I know. 
DocuSign could benefit from that. They have a new Apex toolkit that I'm trying to get into right now. DocuSign could benefit from a lot of things, Sean. Yeah. Let's see. It's, it's kind of... Yeah. Hey, um, I, don't <laughs> just, I don't know. I'm trying to move us along here. What are we... Uh, we're about... Well, I've got to be over an hour. I don't know when we actually started the show. I, <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet, but... Either. I do have another community topic, so we have to we have to at the very least cover our all community right, well, topics. All right, let's let's move along. Um, so this one we can spend as much time as we want, or you can throw it away. Um, <laughs> sorry, Stephen. But, uh, but let's well, hang on. Let me stop just for a second and thank this previous. Did they give us our, their name? They they didn't. They um, that was a very well thought out question. Yeah, and I will say you're thinking about the right things. Um, and I don't have an easy answer for you. I'd honestly, I'd have to, I'd have to charge you a lot of money to look at the whole situation and give you an answer. So you probably don't want that, but no. But I think, I think, of, I think you did right, a great job of sharing right. your experience, and I knew this would be right up your alley. I knew this would be something you could really talk to. So I think you did great. Oh well, thank you, John. That's so nice of you. Give you a little, oh, little clap. I give you a kiss, but I can't reach yeah. you. So yeah. we can do that later. I am Mr. Ross, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or am I John, Mrs. Ross? John Ross. Am I, am I the I, miss or the you mister? Know what? It's however you identify, John. No, I'm the mister. You're the mister? Okay. <laughs> this is getting weird. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Awkward. Um, all right, so this is from Stephen with Noe. Uh, he, he asked... Uh, did, he, he doesn't want to break his streak. He's got to get a, he got to get a, a, a topic in every week, right? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, thank you for saying that, because I was going to say... If we if we add someone else to the to the good day sir MVP list, it's Stephen Noe for for uh, topic submissions. Wait, we have an MVP list? Yeah. Do we? No. Oh, we should. Well, that, I made the <laughs> joke. Our own MVPs. I made the joke last time because we had Jody as as our moderator. Yeah. Uh, we had. Uh, she's our, she's our, and she's also the thread police. Yeah, she's the thread police. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna not introduce Justin. She's also, of, she's also the most podcast famous person in the Salesforce space. I've I've come to learn. Really? Yes, <laughs> she is. She's probably gets the most mentions across different podcasts than anyone. Really? Yep. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, there's a lot of people who contribute a great deal to the community, and I don't know. I, I wonder if we should start some kind of thank you <laughs> uh, list. Yeah. A leaderboard. No, no. Or, or a hall of fame. No, just just a way to say thanks. Okay. Maybe you get a shirt or... or that would require you doing something. Or... I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Stephen with Noe. Uh, he asked if we knew about the Trailblazer Tavern. Have you heard about the Trailblazer Tavern? No, but I, I'm curious to know what they have on tap. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a new restaurant. It's in the uh, Salesforce East Building in San Francisco. Of course um, it is. Uh, his comment is, I thought Benioff cracked down on beer and booze at the office. But now there's a tavern right it's downstairs. It's not the office, it's the tavern, right. It's not, it's Party Central. It's, that's how you... It's Ohana Central. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a very Hawaiian-themed restaurant. It's got a lot of great stuff. Do great they serve spam? Stuff. No. You know, Hawaiians, maybe, Hawaiians maybe, love their spam. Maybe, I don't know. It's, it's weird. There's a lot of, um, so just, there's a lot of like Asian infusion in it. It's almost like an Asian-Hawaiian fusion. So there's like so weird. There's like some things that they placed so replaced odd. rice with yeah. like mochi. So weird, Asian and Hawaiian and, I know. Uh, fusion. So, I've never seen them before. <laughs> Going home now. <laughs> okay. I Bye, to, John. I have to go go to the restroom, and I'm gonna go home. Wait, are you, are you reaching that? John's reaching the point where he's got to go to the bathroom because he's a child. It's, it's like right here. Yeah, it's, just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's right to my chin. All right. Okay, 
No, there's, there's, there's a nice little video. Um, I, th I think uh, what we'll see coming in the Extreme Forces and all those, that's that's going to be the kind of the place to be for, for Salesforce, little sales events and things like that. But it looks pretty good. Uh, the, a lot of fish-centric meals, you know, those kind of things, some raw stuff, some fresh stuff, some cooked stuff. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Look pretty good. Do you have to, like, donate a buck every time you come in and get a beer? No, no. I don't think so. Okay. But it, it is, it, I got to say, this Trailblazer thing is really just taken off for Oh, yeah, Salesforce. that's definitely, that's, that's almost... There, it's almost eclipsing the Salesforce brand. The trail, but it I, is. I, and we've, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've totally given. I've, I've not say I've called it because I didn't predict anything. I've just I've observed that the, and I think it's a good brand. We've talked about that. It's yeah. a very good brand because yeah. I mean, there's so many things you can do with it, yeah. and they have done a lot and of things. Done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, man, I, I, I would, God, who, who, and who, who was the person that was like, I've got this idea. Let me explain. Can I? Who sits down in like the the meeting of I don't know. I don't know if it was at the marketing level or if it was like more at the at the kind of executive level, like, hey guys, here's yeah. my idea. I want to know who that was. I want to talk to this person. It's so funny how how pro it was probably some throwaway idea, some Might brainstorming. I've got session. like six ideas. Here's one of them. Yeah. Just, you know, but anyway, yeah, no, there's uh, yeah, it's good, really good branding. And because I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you could find some other company that had some similar thing, but I mean, no one in this space had anything like that. And I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of jealous tech companies right now, like, damn it. Oh, you know, what's <laughs> Microsoft? Such a good had? name. Microsoft got their way. We have our MCLC program. It's very, uh, it's technical. It's useful. And uh, we have, you know, we have our MVPs. And, you know, they've got this, all this just <laughs> typical tech nerdy stuff. And Salesforce got this, like, cool, you know, like outdoorsy, whatever. Yeah. And you can wear your uh, your khaki shorts and your khaki shirt. <laughs> now you get to wear your Hawaiian yeah, shorts yeah. and your Hawaiian shirt. And see, that's that's a different theme. I don't know. I'm not sure. This, that's the Ohana. I don't know if we can cr cross these streams. No, they're they're cr and they cross the stream in this restaurant. This a, it's this the it's the Trailblazer Ohana. Yeah, now, theme. see, I'm not sure I, pu I approve of this particular fusion here. Oh well, too bad it's happening. Yeah. Anyway, so so down to his real question: <laughs> uh, If you could have dinner with any current Salesforce employee, who would it be, and what are you discussing? I mean, I'll let you go current first. Current Salesforce employee, you're putting me on the spot now. Do you want me to go first? I mean, yeah, so the obvious thing would be like Benny Alpha, but I, I, I just don't know that he'd be that interesting because I think he's too prepared and curated, and he's got his talking points. Yeah, but what, what if what if you can get him drunk and then talk I don't to think Benny? He drinks. I don't think he drinks. I don't oh. think that's the problem. Okay, but hypothetically, what if you can get him drunk and and his inhibitions is lowered and he's able to just talk about anything? You know, here's the thing. I'm not. I'm not in this world. I really, as much as I, I work in the Salesforce space. I just. I'm not one of these people that. I don't do a lot of just networking and I and connecting with. And I probably should. I probably should be better at this. I'm just not. But I mean, if I could pick someone, um, I don't know. Maybe I'd be. I'd be like Wade or Chris, or Chris Peterson or one of these guys. Mm -hmm. Um, just because they. You know, they know what's going on, like what they're working on, uh, the the good bits, the bad bits. You know, yeah. Um, it would sad it would, it would satisfy a lot of my just curiosities that I deal with on a day to day basis. Yeah. All right, my turn. Uh, I would actually love to have dinner with the user experience team for Salesforce that mm. designed the new Lightning design system. The new Lightning Design System. Well, the, the Lightning Design System. Or okay. the Design System. The Salesforce um, so Lightning Design System. A couple of, at least a couple of, I, I feel like they're both, there are some women involved here. It's just to give some props to the women. Right? <laughs> oh, I, I know. Is that wrong? I probably said that wrong. I'm sure I did something <laughs> wrong there. But anyway, I've heard them on other like web development podcasts, and they're kind of famous. Mm -hmm. um, just, I think they happen to be a couple times I've heard the women. I can't remember their names. 
But uh, yeah, they kind of got kind of uh, you know CSS land famous for lightning and the design system and everything. So yeah, um, I I think it would be. Now, that was a couple. Topic. That was a few years ago, but yeah, I I just think it would be an interesting topic because uh, tackling a design system on top of building out a whole new framework for the for for Salesforce in general being lightning. That's a huge undertaking. I mean, not, not only do you have to coordinate the development and the security and all that kind of stuff, but now you're layering in on this 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 design aspect, this language that that has to kind of. Well, and they've all got to be kind of co-designed and and. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a collaboration effort. So mm-hmm. it it if it didn't have buy-in from the top, I would love to know how it got introduced in Salesforce. You know, was it a top-down type approach or was it the design team saying, "Hey, I know we're going to do this new thing. I think we need a design system for this to." to kind of create this whole cohesive thing. And then on top of it, to release it to us, to allow us to, to, to utilize that design system. So I, I just think that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I actually am doing some research on, on design systems and, and watched um, some, some recent videos that I have some notes on, but we don't have the time to get into it. But um, it's something I want to plan and talk about a little bit more here in the future. Because it, it's a topic that interests me. I mean, user experience design is kind of a hobby for me. Like, like when, oh, I, get the oppor- oh, when sure. I get to the opportunity yeah. no, to do you're, it, you're, I'm all in. Yeah, you're my design guy. Uh, so apparently, potentially, this person's name is Stephanie. I don't know if it's Ruiz or Ruiz, R E W I S. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's her. She was she was she that I was thinking of. Wow, words. Um, yeah, maybe it was she that I was thinking of. Mm. Not sure, but apparently, uh, you could probably Ruiz Ruiz. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> like Lewis, but with an R. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, well, John, uh, what, so we've not gotten to, let's see. Oh, there's a lot we haven't gotten to, but I did want to mention, so I think we, I think inquiring minds want to know about this, uh, or a GitHub project being archived, but before we get to that, uh, this dot dev domain, and I want to know, have you, have you secured your dot? I'm dev not domain? doing that crap. Okay. I'm sick of this domain game. <laughs> so <That's> bullshit. <laughs> oh God. Um, well. I don't know whether to be ashamed or proud or whatever, but I have I've secured my .dev domain, John. <laughs> or I have. <laughs> you played right into their game. I did. <clears throat> no, I, I I got in on the you know like for 120 bucks. You got Jeremy Jeremy Ross .dev. Yeah. Well, I probably won't ever do anything with that. I, I don't plan on getting John to Santiago .dev. So if someone wants to take it. I mean, and they make, started at 15. Go for it. And I it's it, interesting. I mean, actually, just from an economic like kind of a markets perspective, how mm-hmm. they did this, and it's like a. a it was like an auction that over time, you know, just gets cheaper type of thing. So that people who really, like, if you really care, I guarantee you Salesforce.dev, taken, right? Well, they, these, they, these type of and, things and are pay. perfect for them because all they have to do is introduce a new domain and they get instant revenue because all these companies are going to be damned if they're going to let someone else squat on their domain. So they're going to go out and buy every .com, .co, .dev, .io. They're going to buy them because they have to. The, well, you're right. They have to. Didn't didn't Salesforce famously buy like Salesforce dot socks or Salesforce socks or something like that? Didn't uh-huh. they buy that and like they did? I, like, I feel like someone told me that story, but yeah. No, you know they were originally uh, they had this plan like okay, if it, initially it's going to be like fifteen grand, mm-hmm. and so you know Microsoft and Salesforce and Adobe and everyone went out there and bought their do, dot their dot dev, but then over time it went down to like you know a thousand, and then right now it's on like I think it's like hundred and twenty bucks. I just bought mine today, but I didn't want to wait. That's Sunday they go down to like twelve dollars. I'm like, I don't want to wait because I'm afraid there's some other jackass Jeremy Ross out there that's going to buy my <laughs> freaking domain. There's some guy who's, it's some British guy who sells 
herbal BS supplements that has had had JeremyRoss.com <laughs> for the past 20 years. I'm still waiting for this guy to retire or die or something. I want that domain. I'm not going to lose another one. <laughs> now, right. what, what am I going to do with this domain? Absolutely nothing. Oh, you're going to use it for your for your non-published <laughs> private blog, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's only for insiders. Oh, and, and you know, you know, if you're in, if you're on the inside, you know who you are. Oh, I don't know. So, <laughs> can we wrap this up? Um, so yeah, we'll see, okay. So we have to talk about um, the Aura GitHub project being archived. Yeah, I, I uh, can't say I'm not surprised. I mean, if they're so, gonna, if so they're gonna all, essentially I mean, kill this, it. I mean, what's the big deal? Like, was this this was never really an open source project? I mean, it was a source available. You know, it was it was developed almost entirely in private, and then like dumped onto GitHub. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not like a an Apache, you know, <clears throat> type of project or or whatever. Not I should say, not that companies haven't developed stuff in private and then like donated it to Apache. That happens too. So mm-hmm. not that that doesn't happen, but this wasn't an open source project. This was a, this was a private project that a company sponsored and paid for internally mm-hmm. and then they made the source available on github right and i don't know maybe they've maybe they've accepted pull requests or whatever but i don't think you're you know you're not i mean i don't where where any non-salesforce salesforce people on the on the you know internal commit team or I, I don't know maybe don't they were so. probably not <clears throat> and that's fine i, don't I think really, that's the whole reason care. i think yeah, i think I it care. just is not getting widely used they're they're likely going to abandon it and since no one's going to use it, it had no use. It had no force. use. Like, you know, yeah. why incur the liability of of trying to donate or something, especially if they're well, no, no, no. They don't want to, it's just, I and mean, I don't know why they. I, I meant right liability now. as a kind of as a as a thing with their name on it that's just abandoned. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather just kill it and say, "And eh, this is no longer supported," than to leave it out there as this kind of abandoned? I thing? guess the thing I don't understand is why archive it because <clears throat> first of all, as with a visual force. People are going to be using this classic Aura Lightning for a very long time. They are on platform, but the only reason that is open source is with the idea that the WordPress of the world could say, oh, we're going to adopt this framework so that we can do these these kind of multi-tenant uh, UIs. I guess I'm not following you. The Aura, fra- the Aura framework that's open source is all mm-hmm. the JavaScript libraries and everything that support building I think there's back too. I remember, yeah. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, you have to like have a Java web server, basically. Right. So the only people it's really useful are those people who want to solve the same problem that Salesforce is using for, fork it, or or at least contribute to it and use it. Um, but I don't think that's happening. So for Salesforce, basically, they're like, and again, eh, we'll and just, when you look at the, when you get, look at the Lightning developer experience, it just it just it's not something you're going to use if you're not having to solve really like Salesforce specific problems. I mean, it was cool they open sourced it. Don't get me wrong, like it's cool they open sourced that because. I mean, there's, you know, there's the more advanced developers that they hit. I know you're not listening to me. You're looking to Slack. Mm-hmm. But when you, you know, like you're developing for Lightning, but you're a, you're a very experienced developer, you hit some bug, you can actually go look in the source code and see, oh, am I, is this a bug? I'm going to try to find the bug. You're a rare beast. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, but there's people who do this. <laughs> no, I mean, there are, there are. And, and I, I wish I was one of those people. And they can but... submit a, a pull request and, and fix it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually nice because what the worst thing about Salesforce, in my opinion, is when, you're working on something and you get a you get a GAC or something you you just there's nothing you can do with it you can't go check the source is not available you can't see you can't see what you're doing that triggered let's say let's assume it's a bug in the platform mm-hmm. um, you can't see what you're doing that might have triggered that bug because you can't see the code you don't know what's going on all you can do is like put in a, a support request whereas the fact that they open source Aura 
you can go look and see. Oh, maybe you want, or, or if you just want to know, like, see, like, well, you know, I'm curious about performance characteristics. Like, I might want to do this like nested dynamic thing with those components, but I want to. I would actually like to see what the platform's doing with that, so I can see what mm-hmm. the effects are going to be. I mean, that's that's cool. They did that, and also you can. I'm assuming you can at least, I don't know if they're going to accept your pull request. That's up to them, but you can submit pull requests to either improve it or fix it or add some new feature or whatever. So it's cool that was available. What I don't understand, though, is why they would archive it now. Like, it's not like ORS going anywhere. It's going to be there for a long time. Like, why archive it now? Yeah, but I think most of their attention is going to be on Lightning Web Components. And maybe and- I'm assuming that it's, it's actually been more open than what it is. Just because it's on GitHub doesn't mean it's open at all. I, I really don't know. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I've ever looked at that repository, uh, My- except. Like five years ago, I think I looked at it, but yeah, my thought is if they're going to open source Lightning Web Components, then why why divide the market between Aura and Lightning Web Components? And and two, if they're not going to advance Aura, it's going to get old and stale really fast. Which means you're you're going back and looking at the source is not going to mean anything. Yeah. So the question here is, you know, why why formally archive it? Like, what what are you gaining from that? Uh, why not just let it? Sit there. I mean, and I think I, I think so. They well, don't have a story of of a, of a of a dead product. Yeah. Yes. You don't want the appearance of right. abandonware. Right. And what happens is people are go- people are going to continue to submit pull requests to log issues, and maybe Salesforce doesn't doesn't want to deal with that right now. That's not. Yeah. They're not. They're going to start pulling their aura people and putting them on LWC. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to have as many people responding to pull requests and issues. They're, that's just not where they're, they're going to put their efforts right now. You know, if you want the latest and greatest, you need to, you need to start moving to Lightning. <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is the reality. You know, this is, again, we talk about the advantages and disadvantages. This is really sass that you're, you're done playing in someone else's sandbox. Um, Salesforce has decided that, you know, this is the new latest thing. And if you really want to be on that, if you don't really want to play that game, you you need you got to you. The truth is, you do have to keep spending money. You do have to keep investing. And I don't think that's unfair. I'm just saying that's the truth, regardless of what you hear mm-hmm. from other places. Right. Yeah, it's not bad. I agree with that. It's not bad. It's fair. Yeah. I mean, you want improvements. You want better stuff. You got to invest too, because no one's going to take care of your customizations, your your code. My code, you know, except for you. That's why it's and, my code. And, and, you know, it's a code rot is a thing. I mean, this code, you know, it, it does it does rot. It goes bad. You've got to keep investing in it or you need to kill it. Yeah. And that's what Salesforce did with Aura. It's project on GitHub. They killed it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on board with that. I, I, I can't. I mean, kind of. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'm super on board. I mean. Again, again, how, how, a many, lot of, how many, how many, there are, there are fair to say billions of dollars of, of third party and, you know, like inv- not, not Salesforce. I mean, other c- Salesforce customers, billions of dollars investment in lightning development mm-hmm. or development. Yeah. And now Salesforce is officially putting the stake in the ground saying, this is dead. This is dead. Move on. Yep. Yeah. I agree. And it's, you know, I understand it and it's a reality. I'm just here to be honest and say it's a reality. It's not necessarily unfair. You've gotten what you've paid for with Salesforce, but if you're going to keep paying for Salesforce, and if you want to be a software company, like almost all companies nowadays have to be software companies, you've got to keep investing. Yeah. What's I'm, the al- just, I'm, the, I'm the one who's going to be honest with you about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the alternative to, to, to stick with your old system like, like we have with traditional on-prem where you're on version two while the rest of the world is on version 20? You know what? There's, I mean, I know it sounds like a Luddite, but there's something to be said for that. If you're happy, 
if it just you want the thing to do what it does for the next three years? I mean, there's already more and more studies coming out to show that these the subscription model is costing companies a lot more money than the old. Well, I can the tell you model. the subscription model is costing me a lot personally too. I, so much software I have is is moving to a subscription model. I stopped using um, Snagit because they went to a subscription model. And, oh. and their stupid YouTube video you know commercials are annoying the hell out of me. It would have, it would have, you know, the thought of paying five hundred dollars for Photoshop or Microsoft Office was a huge deal. But now, I mean, I, I feel like I pay them more money now with with a subscription because yeah. it's it's essentially forced upgrades. Like you, yeah. before, I mean, I would I'd go like two or three versions of Office without upgrading. But I, I think in the right context, like if that's your profession, that's your professional tool. I understand it. Like my IDE, yeah, yeah. I pay every oh, year for sure. the, for the upgrades right. on the IDE. Right. I pay every year for the limited cloud plugin. It's, I'm I'm not I'm here, I'm not. But a, for those casual yeah. users, we don't have an option. I'm, we don't have an option to say I just need Photoshop to do this tweak here and there. We don't have that option anymore. Yeah, and I'm not here to right now. This conversation we're having it's not about whether these things are worth it or not. It's whether you have the choice or not. And the truth is, on the subscription model, you don't have the choice. You are always going to be on that train. And you kind of get forced into upgrades, and you get forced into into continued investment. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. And you should expect that. If you mm-hmm. didn't expect that, then you're you didn't know what you were doing. And if your CIO made that decision, then he didn't know what he was doing, and you should have advised the business better. Because that's pretty much all CIOs do nowadays is is advise from a quasi tech, but mainly business aspect. You know, a good CIO is looking at companies like Salesforce and Amazon and these things and, and understanding their business context mm-hmm. and make and projecting that onto your business so you can understand where everything is going and make technology decisions. But they're really not technology decisions. They're business decisions. Right. Hey, deferred revenue, yeah, baby. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I'm doing I'm sure. <laughs> Man, this little business, the little business I'm trying to help run nowadays, we, it's funny, we we do, that's one of our biggest issues is understanding our deferred revenue. Because yeah. I really want to, because, you know, the thing is, it, it's really simple in a, in a way. You're going to start a project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be $100,000. Okay. It's going to take you, let's say it's going to take you three months to do it. But client pays you up front. Here, I'm just going to pay the, write you the check, $100,000. Okay. Well, first can, of all, can, congratulations. Now, now, can you can you go to the mall and, and or go out and buy yourself a um there was a I walked in this morning or not this morning, this afternoon when I drove back in. This guy's got some McLaren parked in here in the garage. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool. But you know, you're gonna go you're gonna go buy your McLaren with that money? No, you can't. Wow. That is that is un what sometimes people some people call it unearned revenue. Mm-hmm. Also de- called deferred revenue. You got the money. It's kind of like revenue. You got you get deposit the check. But it's unearned. It's you have to defer that revenue. You have to offset it with a liability. Right. And me being, you know, I'm a business major, right? And I'm a, I'm a, I'm an accounting and, and legal nerd. Like I'm gonna come a closet lawyer and a closet accountant all wrapped in one don't, disgusting don't box. Yourself like that. You're an all-purpose nerd. <laughs> There's nothing you don't nerd about. So so I you know I want to I want to like I'm I'm I'm, the guy, I'm like no we're doing like you know the proper uh, you know double entry accounting and and um, you know we're gonna offset all these revenues with 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 our liability so we know where we're at and so we know that we're being responsible cuz so many of these companies are not responsible with their yeah with what should be deferred revenue but yeah it's all fun i get to i get to scratch a lot of my nerdy itches ooh didn't sound nerdy good, did itches it? huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you wear your your six sigma black belt while you're calculating stuff i do but got your gi that was called a gi with yeah. your black belt yeah, yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> All right, John. I think we've. Uh, All right. I want. I want to. I want done enough damage I wanna, for today. I want to kill the show with one topic. Uh, and the only reason I'm bringing this topic up is because I want to read these 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 signs. <laughs> so Salesforce is still getting protests about their their ICE contract. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Richard Sutcher went to give a speech. It was today yeah. or yesterday, and he got yeah. he got like there was like ten nerds out with their posters. You yeah, know, and so I, I just couldn't help but <laughs> but laugh at these posters. Uh, so they one of them is Salesforce loves deportations, and the S's are dollar signs. Uh, no tech for ICE is another one. Uh, Richard, are you getting rich from deportation? That's a pretty direct question. Are you getting Richard? Uh, here's, like here's a creative one. <clears throat> Sales forcing families apart. Yeah, you like that one. <laughs> this is super creative. These guys should these guys should go into business. Yeah. And my favorite one of all, the one I want to end on, <laughs> sales fart. <laughs> sales fart. That's even worse. Um, someone uh, I won't name. Um, was messaging me earlier and said, um, I actually said sales farce on a call today. Freudian slip, I guess. <laughs> uh, we kid because we love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. All right, John. We need to do our, our, our back matter here. So we have this, um, we've, we've been communicating live here. We have an interactive, we have an interactive podcast, John. We do. Um, with our, uh, our live Slack channel. <clears throat> so we have a Slack team. Which is this amazing community that I can that neither of us take credit for. I think they're it's just amazing, like, amazing, no, it's, it's, amazing, it's, it's, um, amazing. A lot of smart people, a lot of fun and generous people who uh, we just get together and we, you know, virtuous, virtu- not virtuously, but somewhat virtuously, Virtu-sing. also virtually. <laughs> um, and if you're listening, you haven't joined or you haven't checked it out, you probably should. You really should. I know there's some of I know there's some of you out there because I understand these numbers. So you should check it out. Go to gooddayserpodcast.com, click on community, put in your email address. John will add you, and then we delete the email address. We don't delete them, but I mean we don't. No, we, we don't, delete them. You delete them. Yeah, yeah, and we don't. You know, we literally. This is this is. What do you call this type of operation? It's not even nonprofit. It's it's anti-profit. It's negative profit. Right? <laughs> it's, we're red. Right. We're in the red. <laughs> I mean, this is this is our this is our. I mean, this is. I mean, in all seriousness, this is like our. And although we're, I don't really view it this way because this is this is supposed to be like me and you like having mm-hmm. these things that we just would talk about anyway. But this is this is our way. Like this, if I'm giving anything, this is it. This is what I'm giving. It's just this time I have. Um. So, yeah. We so we don't. Anyway, Long way of saying we don't sell, we don't keep your email address we don't sell it. Uh, you can you can feel safe in that. Um, but yeah, um, check out the Slack. I mean, it's again, it's it's useful. Um, a lot of times I don't you know. Sometimes I'll go like a week without even because I'm so busy. But then I'll pop back in and I I didn't have like this burst of like when I'm active. Yeah, me too. Or when I'm like when I'm hot about something. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's just really it's it's an amazing community. It really is, and that's by far the most ama- amazing thing that's come out of this thing that you and I have been doing for the past few years. And, and again, if you, listener, if you haven't checked it out, you really should. Um, what else, John? We, we take uh, we take input uh, uh, via an email address, info mm-hmm. at com. If you have questions, if you just want to rant at us privately, we're more than happy to keep it private. Um, we don't take ads. You're welcome to email us and try to advertise. We're probably not going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> but we do take questions. We, we'll, if you want us to talk about them on the show, if you have a, a topic ideas, um, if you want to give us your name, if you want us, if you want us to use your name, we we will. But if you don't give us permission, we won't. What else, John? Share us on the socials. Yeah, um, like we, we want to. We reviews. do want to grow this community. I, I'm, there's there's only like, I mean, there's probably like a, on the order of like a thousand people that are involved in this community. How many developers in the Salesforce? Just developers in the Salesforce world. All there, John. 
Uh, five million. Five million. Yeah. Which means it's got to be like 25 million admins, which means there has to be like, you know, 8 billion Salesforce users, which is, I don't From know, I feel like we've expanded billion? to other planets yeah. now because I don't think there's 8 billion people on this planet. Maybe there are now. I don't know. People people like to have babies. So maybe it's up to 8 billion now. <laughs> um, I like to have babies. But there's, yeah, there's a lot of people who I think uh, would be, would would enjoy this community and get something from this community if they just knew it existed. They don't know it exists. Um, but, but you know what? Now, thanks to Mason Frank, they know it exists. They do. Because <laughs> we're, uh, we're, 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 we have an influential, I, I totally believe we have an influential, if you look at um, the, the, some of the people that are part of this community, it's like a who's who, you know? Yeah. Completely excluding myself. I'm like, I'm just, embarrassed to be even tagging along here honestly and sometimes i'm <laughs> i have self-esteem issues okay <laughs> well i have more esteem for you than myself so yeah no i i think i think any praise given given to the good day surname is definitely awarded to the community it's yeah. com- it's it's definitely community it's it's by far like the most gratifying thing i mean the people it just for me personally it's like the people i have met through this and the people transitively that i've met through that um, and some of the connections and things I've learned, it's, it's, it's been enormously beneficial. That's why like people are like, ah, you know, you should run ads and do a Patreon. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I get, I mean, we, you know, like that, this is our little, this is our little, um, contribution, but I feel like what I get back is like so much more than that. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about all this. Me too. I know I'm waxing very well, into that, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very lengthily. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Apologies. Oh, what else? What am I? Uh, what am I missing, John? No, you got us all. Except write a review if you can. A reviews uh, are good. iTunes. The hearts, the stars. The hearts, the all likes. you Overcast users, this is going to be a thing. We need the Overcast users to go in and uh, hit the star. I should be doing that too, right? You should. Okay. Oh yeah, every yeah. show. Like, yeah. I think if you star and unstar over and over, maybe that helps too. <laughs> Probably not. I like it. I don't. I like it. No, I don't. I can't quit you. All right, John. (laughs) Well, and to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.